Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 5. 2 Kings and chapter number 5. We're almost doing a three-part continuation from Wednesday to this morning to this evening talking about one of the same events. On Wednesday night, we took time to talk about the little maid, this little girl who was kidnapped from her homeland. Her parents were killed before her, and yet she didn't have any bitterness. And even though she was a slave, had decided that she wanted to see her master get saved. This morning, we watched the continuation of that as the... (laughs) Um, Naaman, the lordly leper, had went to go visit Elisha and he received instructions that in order for him to be cured from his disease was just to wash and be cleansed. And yet he wasn't happy with that. He wanted to go on some kind of quest and that he went to the wrong person. He had the wrong price. He had the wrong procedure. (coughs) And it just didn't work the way that he imagined it to. But he did obey and did take the preacher as he just gave him God's word and he was cleansed. Now the one thing that the servant or that Nahum had wanted to do is that he wanted to purchase this gift. But remember the gift of God was free. There was nothing to be paid for it. It was free. And now we continue on and we do a character study. I love character studies. There are different ways to study the Bible. You could study the Bible by its books. You could go through uh, the study the Bible by its verses. Study the Bible by its themes, by its topics by its great words that are used. But then there's the study of characters. And remember, every character, every person has a message. Everybody you see preaches a message, even you. And so when we study the characters of the Bible, these historical people, we could go through and examine their life and pull a principle out. And apply it. And remember there are good principles. And there are bad principles. Some people just serve as bad examples. And so things that we could learn from. And so now we do a character study. As a continuation of this. And look with me if you don't mind. In the book of 2 Kings chapter number 5. The book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And notice with me in verse number 20. (laughs) 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 20. The word of God says this. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he had brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master had sent me, saying, Behold, even now there come to me from Mount Ephraim two men of the sons of the prophets. I give, I pray, give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garment. 
And Nahum said, be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags and two cha- uh, changes of garment and lay them upon two of his servants and they bear them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from this chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money, and to receive garments, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servant and maidservants? The leprosy therefore of Nahum shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. And with this we see here a character study of Gehazi the sinful servant. Gehazi the sinful servant. If you don't mind let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God, a God who loves us so very much, a God who uses this passage here to even warn us and to give us a picture of someone who followed the wrong path, who made the wrong choices, who was not converted but tried to use his own wisdom to get the ministry accomplished. I'm asking that you would just help us to be wise and discerning now, that you would open up this passage and open up our hearts. And that we can learn of you. I'm asking that you once again. You would fill me with your precious spirit. Set everything in order. And we love you. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you were to put one phrase to Gehazi. One thing that would describe him. It would be the New Testament verse. That said the love of money. Is the root of all evil. Now notice that verse does not say that. Money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Gehazi was this person who loved the money. He was, he was one who was supposed to be to inherit the, the mantle of Elisha and Elisha. Now remember, Elijah was the master and he took Elisha as the servant. And for those years that Um, Elisha was the servant of Elijah and he used that time to disciple the young man until finally Elijah was taken up and Elisha was the master. Elisha decided he was going to follow in the same uh, path and here he took Gehazi and so here's Gehazi who was being discipled. He was being groomed. He was going to be the person that had all the potential of asking from his master, I want a double portion of your spirit. But instead, greed and materialism wrecked his life. Instead of entering in the life of his master, he entered into the leprosy of Nahum. If you don't mind, let's examine Gehazi and let's do a character study and look at some things in his life that has popped up from here and there. The very first thing I'd like to show you is in service of his master. In service of his master. So what was his life during this time of service of his master? Well, one thing that we learn about Gehazi is that he was clever. He was clever. Gehazi was not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, someone might say that he had the street smarts. May I give you an example? Remember there was the Shuamite woman who had built 
uh, Elijah, <coughs> uh, um, a prophet's chamber. And so that way, every time Elisha had came through, he had a bed to sleep in, a desk to study in, a lamp to see by, a chair to sit on, and she had to taken care of him. Well, Elisha, when this all occurred, says, I wonder what I could do for her. Is there anything I could do for her? And the lady said, no, no, I'm just doing it to be a blessing. And so Gehazi's the guy who came up and said, you know what, master? She doesn't have a son. You could pray for her son. So we could see Gehazi, he, he had the smarts. Elisha was not paying attention, meaning uh, it wasn't something on his radar. It was Gehazi that brought it up. She needs a son. That's what you could do with her. That's what you could do to be a blessing. That was tactful. That was something that was there. Gehazi had ready to answer. You see, Gehazi was someone who knew something about human nature. He could put his finger on a thing. He would make so, a very good psychologist. He could read people. But the thing about being smart and clever is that it doesn't get someone to heaven. Something about smart and clever and be able to read people doesn't give you an ounce of grace. He was someone who was understanding of human nature but knew nothing of the nature of God. He was able to fool people and deceive people. And to put on the right face at the right time. But he had no godliness within him. Something else. Not only was he clever. But he was also critical. He was critical. Now remember that Shuamite woman. One day her son died. And she ran to the master. And remember in that passage. Which by the way was in the chapter previous. She goes up and grabs the man of God by his feet. In order to, to, um, to beg him. Please do something. My son has died. Remember what happened to Gehazi? He tries to get in the way and push the woman away. He wanted to try to be a buffer. He wanted to thrust her out. In this, he's kind of like Judas Iscariot, who had a critical spirit and a cold heart. He wanted to try to get in the way. This is the essence of religion, by the way, is for man to get in the way of the people in God. You have to go through me. I'll be glad to help you out. You want to get to the master? Sure, come through me. That's exactly what Judas Iscariot did, by the way. He was the treasurer. You know that in Judas Iscariot's day, before he betrayed Jesus, before it was public, everyone praised Judas. People actually named their kids after Judas. Because Judas was the one that kept the bag. He was the one that went to the widow woman and said, Here, take a gift here. Oh, thank you, Judas. Thank you, Judas. He loved that praise. He loved to get in between the people and the master and make him look like he was necessary. That's what Gehazi did. He was trying to get in between the woman and, and Elisha and try to get in that same thing. Remember, Judas had the same reaction when... Um, <laughs> Mary took the alabaster box and poured the anointing oils on Jesus. Remember, it was Judas that got the rest of the disciples to say, What a waste. We could have used this money for something else, and it's just a waste there. Remember, Jesus had to rebuke all of the disciples, but it was Judas, if you remember in the gospel records, that had prompted everyone. What a waste. He only, he didn't see the anointing of Jesus. He didn't see how it honored Jesus. All he saw was this money wasting away and pouring away. Gehazi. <laughs> 
when he saw what happened to uh, Naaman and walked away with the money? What are you doing? We could have used that. What are you thinking? Which brings us to something else as we're studying the life of Gehazi. Is that we understand he was clever. But he was also critical. Not only was he critical, he was complacent. He was complacent. If you remember the story with... um, with the Shuamite woman and her son that was dead. Remember that Elijah grabbed his staff and told Gehazi, you go run. Don't stop. Don't say hello to anybody. Don't say bye to anybody. You just take off. And I want you to put the staff on the body of the child. I want you to go run and you'll do that. And so Gehazi did what he said. He went and he laid the staff on the child. And he did all the ceremony that went with it. He did everything he could and laid the staff on the child's face. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Gehazi was like, why isn't this working? I did what I was supposed to do. I came and I, I cleared it off and I put the staff on and said, raise up child. Nothing happened. Maybe he did the ceremony or did some dust or something. Nothing happened. When Elisha went there and he prayed to God, life came back in the child. But you know Elisha's success didn't phase Gehazi. Not once did he wonder why he was powerless to raise the child. Why he was powerless and nothing happened. He didn't wonder that at all. He was just happy to ride the uh, coattails of Elisha. And get the credit too. Oh yeah, I was there when he rose up. Didn't even think about how he had no power whatsoever. You understand that dead religion cannot bring life to people. Someone who has no life in Christ. Someone who's never learned how to get a hold of God. Someone who doesn't read their Bible. They have no power. None. And they wonder why their prayers don't get answered. And they wonder why things don't occur right in their lives. There was a a British chaplain. He was called the chaplain general. He was in charge of all the chaplains of the British forces. And when he would interview chaplains, he would ask this question. He says, let's say that you're in the middle of a foxhole. And let's say that the bombs are going around you. And one of the soldiers looks to you, chaplain, and says, I'm about ready to die. How can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? He said that would be part of the questionnaire he'd give a chaplain. And if the chaplain could not tell someone how to go to heaven, then what good is that chaplain? What good is someone who doesn't know the Lord? How can they really help in spiritual things? How can they encourage people to look at the Lord when they don't look at people themselves? You understand, this is what we call here the principle of influence. Every one of us have influence. Here's the principle. You don't reproduce necessarily what you want. You reproduce what you are. You don't necessarily reproduce what you want. You reproduce what you are. So let's take a teacher. Let's take a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher who doesn't read their Bible. Are they going to produce students who read their Bible? No. Because you don't reproduce what you want. You reproduce what you are. Let's say that we have a Sunday school teacher who's not a soul winner. Are they going to reproduce soul winners? 
No, because you don't reproduce what you want. You reproduce what you are. That's the principle of influence. And so here's Gehazi who could not get a hold of God. Here's Gehazi who could not get his answers prayer. Who's Gehazi who's critical of the things of God? And you know what he's going to reproduce? People who are critical of God. People who don't have any power. Because you don't reproduce necessarily what you want. You reproduce what you are. This is why Gehazi is so dangerous here. This is why God is pointing him out here. Because he's pointing him out by name that this is a danger here. When he was facing death, Gehazi was powerless. But you understand someone who knows the word of God, when people are facing death, we're not powerless. We can tell them about a savior who could forgive their sins. We could tell them about a savior who could give you life everlasting. We could tell them about a savior who's coming again and can resurrect us. That's the savior that we could tell them about. And we could give them hope. As we go back to Gehazi, we could see that this is a man who was clever. He was also critical. We also understand something about Gehazi is that he was complacent. He was dead. He was sideways. He wasn't growing in his, in his relationship with the Lord. But he was also calculating. He was also calculating. Now I want you to think in, in Gehazi's mind. I want you to imagine that Nahum, the general of the Syrian army, pulls up outside of Elisha's house. Outside is a chariot and soldiers and everything. On the back of the wagon, there is money. Now remember, a talent of silver is um, not just a small weight. It's as much as a man could carry. That's a, one talent. That's a lot. And it had several talents. It had several thousand gold back there. Pieces of gold. He had several changes of raiment. Which back then remember that if you had fancy clothes. That's what most people didn't have. This was to show off status. This was to show off something amazing. And they had all of it. And Gehazi when he watches this wagon roll up. And here finally we hit the big time. We've been just helping these farmers. Or these preacher boy. And all these people are poor. And they can't pay us at all. Oh, but now we hit the jackpot. Here's this general. He's got money. Finally, we're going to get things taken. Oh, this is great. It's about time. Can't you see him just uh, uh, drooling at the mouth? You know what Gehazi saw? He saw an influential client. Uh, client. You know what Elisha saw? A leper who needed the Lord. So what happens? If you remember, as we told the story this morning... That Elisha is working on things. Gehazi says, hey, hey, guess what, master? They're here. Go talk to them. And Elisha says, eh, you go tell them to go wash in the Jordan River seven times and it'll be all right. Well, aren't you going to go talk to him? No, I'm fine. He doesn't need me. Just go tell him what I said. What? You're not going to? Okay. And so he goes out there and tells uh, Naaman and Naaman gets mad and upset and how dare Elisha treat he's a general he wouldn't even show up outside tells him what he's supposed to 
Of course, Naaman's mad and rides off mad, but his servants talked to him and said, hey, it was something simple and easy. Why not try it? And he washed seven times. And guess what? He's clean. So he comes back to Elisha and he says, hey, I'm ready to give you this gold and silver. And Elisha says, no, it's free. No, nothing. Gehazi's like, what are you doing? This was finally it. Finally, here it is. And Elisha's like, what are you doing? And he walked away. Now remember, why did Elisha not take money? Because it was trying to picture that the gift of God is free. That's the whole thing of a gift. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't earn God's forgiveness. You can't pay for God's forgiveness. It is a free gift. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Well, Gehazi, you could almost imagine his eyes turn big, little water spots starting to form on the very bottom as he's watching Gehazi leave and all that treasure. What do you mean you're not taking the money? You know how poor we are. You know how much we could, we could do something with it. And Elisha's like, it's no big deal. Well, Gehazi, he was calculating and says, you know what? I can still make this work. I could still make this work. So let's pick it back up if you don't mind. In the book of 2 Kings chapter number 5. And notice with me in verse number 20. But Gehazi the servant of Elisha the man of God said. Behold my master hath spareth Nahum the Syrian. In not receiving at his hands that which he bought. But as the Lord liveth I will run after him. And I will take someone of them. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. So here's Naaman driving away. And here's Gehazi in the rearview mirror running behind him. Hey, stop. And he's running up to him. Naaman stops the chariot and gets out and says, Hey, is everything all right? Are you all right? Is, we just left, but are you all right? We're watching you run. Oh, oh, no, everything's fine. Hey, but you know what? Just as you left, we had two preacher boys. Notice he starts lying. You know, there's no reason for a minister of God to lie. And here he is, you got two preacher boys, they came from the mountains, and let me tell you, they are so poor, they're so pathetic. And, and Elisha said, sure, you know, there's a guy who just left, he could give you some things to take care of you, and so could, could I perhaps bother you just to get two talents of silver and uh, two changes of clothes? And his mind, he's thinking, I could hide this, I could find a place for this. Elisha will never know. Now Naaman, he's glad to be a help. I mean, it didn't cost him anything. Sure, if I could be a help. Naaman's the innocent victim in here. It's Gehazi who is calculating. It is Gehazi is doing it for his own good. This is too good to miss. I mean, how, who would turn away a general and not get away his reward? I mean, he's doing him a favor. And so here he is. He's calculating, ready to cash it in. Notice if you don't mind, in verse 22, and he said, all is well. My master hath sent me, saying, behold now, there come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, to a talent of silver and two changes of garment. And Naaman said, be content, take two talents. Gehazi said, uh, uh, just, just give me one. No, 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 take two. All right, if you insist, I mean, Naaman forced me to take two. 
And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in his bag and two changes of garments and laid them on two of his servants. This is Naaman's servants and they bear him before him. So here's Gehazi marching back. And here is servants of the general carrying on their back the, the changes of clothes, these, these two heavy talents and they're carrying them for Gehazi. And Gehazi gets to his house and Elisha, you home? He's not here, guys. Come on. And he puts it in the door. He put him right there. Shh, shh. We're, it's a surprise. We don't want to let everyone know about it. And he puts him in the door and ushers him away. And he goes and hides the stuff. Pick it up with me if you don't mind. And verse 24. And when he came to the tower, he took them, the talents and the change of clothes, from their hand and bestowed them in the house and let the men go and they departed. But then he went in. We could see this last thing about Gehazi and his service of the master was he got caught. He was caught. Notice if you don't mind. Verse 25, but he went in and stood before his master. So could you imagine he went in, put everything over and turned the corner. And there's Elisha. Almost like a parent waiting for their child who came in after curfew. Just sitting in the dark and the light comes on and... There he is just waiting. So where you been at, Gehazi? Where are you at? Where have you been? Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And like a normal teenager who got caught? Nowhere. Where have you been? Nowhere. What you been doing? Nothing. He knows it. Why do teenagers default to that? Now, I could ask you because most of you probably had that same answer too when you were young, right? What have you been doing? Nothing. You can almost see the halo as he's trying to turn it on. Come on. Look how innocent I am. I am innocent. I've done nothing. But just like a parent, they already know the answer. Notice if you don't mind in verse 26. And he, that's Elijah, said to him, Gehazi, Went not my heart with thee. Oh, the most heartbreaking thing here is the man of God says, I knew exactly what you're doing. And you broke my heart. I knew exactly what you're doing. And I wish you didn't. He says, went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is, a time to re- is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servant and maid servants? Now notice that Gehazi only took talents and he only took garments. Where did this other list come from? That's because Elisha knew what was in his heart. You know what Gehazi wanted? Everything. He wanted land. He wanted fame. He wanted servants. He wanted maid servants, man servants. He wanted people to serve him. He wanted people to say how great he was. And Elisha says, this is what we're here to do. It's not what we're in it for. We're not in it for the money. If you're in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong thing. So let me tell you what's going to happen, Gehazi. Because you ruined the picture of God. What is the picture of God here? The picture of God is that the gift of God is free. Naaman, when he went back, he was going to tell people, let me tell you that the word of God came. I obeyed the word of God and God healed me. 
And it didn't cost me anything. The gift of God is free. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And what Gehazi did is he ruined that picture. Now Naaman could not go back and say it was free. He's ruined that picture and ruined that witness that was going to go to a foreign land to tell others when the testimony, hey, I was a leper, but now I am clear and it didn't cost me anything. God is good. It ruined that whole picture that was to go into an entire different country. And because of that, God is death on ruining pictures. Ask Moses, Moses, speak to the rock. How dare you people? I'm tired of dealing with you. And he struck the rock for the second time. Ruining the picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus was struck once. And now all you have to do to get your prayers answered is to speak to the rock. He doesn't need to be smitten anymore. He only needed to be smitten that once. Because Moses ruined that picture in front of two and a half million people. God says you're not going into the promised land because you ruined that picture. Anytime in the Bible where someone ruins a clear picture of the gospel, God is death on. And so here's Gehazi who ruined that picture. And so what's his, what's his thing? Verse 27. And the leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and, and unto thy seed forever. And he went from his presence a leper, white as snow. You know what this means? Because Gehazi had ruined the picture of salvation, that it was free. Now, the wages of sin is death is upon him. He now had leprosy. And it was going to affect him. And his children. And his grandchildren. What a horrible thing. There was an old rugged man who was living in a certain uh, <laughs> place. And uh, he would show up to church every once in a while. But he was hard and gnarled. And the people had begun to pray for him. Almost like we're doing this year. That with God everything is possible. And they said we're going to pray for this man. We're going to pray for this man. We're going to pray for him to get saved. And wouldn't you know during a revival service. He came down. But not only did he come down, his wife came down. His children came down. And his grandchildren all followed him to the altar. And they got saved. Amen. When they got saved, the grandfather looked around and tears in his eyes and said, I did not realize I was bringing that many people to hell with me. You understand a father does not just go to hell by himself. He usually brings someone else with him. Gehazi, because he rejected the gift of God, he ruined the picture of God, he, and he would not repent, and we'll see that in a second. It was going to come upon his children and his grandchildren because of his unbelief. What a horrible thing to be carried inside of his body. But you know, the story of Gehazi is not over. We see him later on in Scripture. We see him, first of all, in the service of his master. The second thing we see is in under the sentence of the master. Under the sentence of the master. Now you would almost think that after this that Gehazi would leave the ministry. He would go take some honest work up. 
He said, well, the evangelicals don't like me. I think I'll go to the liberals. They at least match up with my mindset. He didn't leave the ministry. He joined the ministry, just joined the other camp. Notice if you don't mind, we see him pop back up in 2 Kings chapter 8. In 2 Kings chapter 8, <clears throat> the first thing that we see under this is that he blocked the sentence from his mind. He blocked the sentence from his mind. Notice with me in 2 Kings chapter 8. Notice with me in verse 4. And the king, this is the king of Israel, and the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha had done. He began to serve the king of Israel, who, by the way, was ungodly. Remember, this king of Israel was someone who was worshiping God in a false way. He had, had caused all of Israel to be worshiping the golden calves. And been telling everyone that this is the God who delivered you. But Gehazi was able to get to the other camp because he had traveled around with Elisha. Oh, Elisha, tell me about these stories of Elisha. Well, we want to hear them. He had a reputation for having knowledge of his master, who, by the way, he betrayed. Which is interesting because according to law, according to the law of the Bible, that whenever someone had leprosy, they weren't allowed to be with anyone else. They were supposed to be outcasted and set aside and be say unclean, unclean. But you know what he did? Is he hid his sin. He hid it so that way no one could see what I did. No one can see under the sentence that I have. Oh, it's the ministry is the only thing I know. So he joined the crowd that hated God, that hated Elisha, but they wanted to hear all the wonderful things about Elisha. And so now he's got a full-time cushy job. Working for the king. Just telling stories. Being a minister. Being a help. What a horrible thing. But not only that. He bore the sentence in his body. He'd borne the sentence in his body. You know the one thing that he still had. Was his stolen wealth. And people would go up to him and said. Man Gehazi. Look at how God has blessed you. Look at all the things that you have now. Look, you have prestige. You're in the king's court. You have all this money. You have this wealth. People talk about you how great. You know, if, Elisha, if Gehazi was in our day here, he would be a pastor of a church. When they interviewed him and said, why aren't you following Elisha anymore? He says, I left Elisha because I was protesting. I didn't like the way Elisha had treated Naaman. I didn't think it was right. So I made a stand and I made a stand and, and I left him. Oh sure, we'd be glad to hire someone with principles like that. Not realizing that on the outward, he looked good. But in his hand was death. Here's Gehazi now, the pastor of the church of Samaria. And here comes the deacon. And Gehazi with that poison, corrupt hand, shakes his hand. Oh, I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad. And the deacon has no idea that he is touching the hand of death. Here's a little sweet old senior saint that comes up. Thank you, Gehazi, for the message today. He grabs her with both hands. Oh, thank you, sweetie. I appreciate it so much. 
He's hiding the fact that he is carrying death. And yet, he's promoting himself as some great guy. Still in the ministry, even though he's disqualified. And with every life that he touches, he's poisoning them. And corrupting them. Even today, we have Gehazi's in pulpits all over. And they carry with them death. They're poisoning people against the word of God. And yet they're hailed as great Bible teachers and great Bible pastors. Oh, thank you so much. Not realizing that they are disqualified. They're not seeking after God. They know nothing of the power of God. They don't follow after God. And then we see the principle that, that you don't reproduce necessarily what you want. But you reproduce what you are. And with every life he influences, he's reproducing what he is. Dead inside. Powerless. No walk with God. But he could put on a good face and fool everyone. And passing with every person he meets. And every person he touches. Death. Death. You see, we have to be warned. Gehazi. He looks good. He smiles good. He knows what to tell people. But he doesn't point people to the Lord. He knows what words to say. Oh, he's glad to help out the little widow woman as long as he gets the credit for it. But he has death. We have to be careful because there are people like that out there. There are people in churches just like that. Spreading death. Remember every character study. Every life teaches a message. Here we have Gehazi. Who's still in the ministry after he's been disqualified. And instead of helping people. He's passing on death. You understand. This is why it's so important for all of us. To be in God's word. To be obedient to God's word. To know him and his power. Because the principle I want you to know. Is that you don't reproduce. Who what you necessarily what you want. You reproduce what you are. There's an old. Gospel song that says this. What kind of church. Would my church be. If every member. Was just like me. If everybody inside of this church was just like you, how would the offering be? If everyone in the church was just like you, how would the attendance be? If everyone in the church was just like you, how many prayers would be answered? How many would actually be asked? If everyone in the church was just like you, how much Bible reading would actually be get accomplished? If everybody in the church was just like you, how godly, how close to God, how spiritual would that church be? You remember, every life teaches a message. What is the message of your life? You don't reproduce necessarily what you want. You do reproduce what you are. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.